1: Richard Nixon Well, I'm not a crook Ronald Reagan Tear down this wall George W. Bush
2: I can hear you, the rest of the world
1: and Donald
3: Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics and he's
1: a professional at the highest level. Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC.
4: Welcome. I'm Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show. We're going to be here until 5 o'clock talking politics, news, history, uh, style, fashion, food. So strap in and get ready for the ride. You can listen to us, of course, at 770 on the AM dial if you're in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area uh, where I grew up. Uh, WABC Radio, making AM radio great again. You can also listen to us if you're from out of town or if it's more convenient on the WABCRadio.com site. Uh, but what I really urge you to do is download the WABC, or I should say, the 77 WABC radio app. You can easily find that uh, in the App Store. Uh, You do not wanna miss any of the great programming uh, that we have here at WABC. Uh, I'm talking about, uh, particularly in Afternoon Drive, I'm talking about uh, Bill O'Reilly from 12 to 1215. Uh, Bill O'Reilly still won't debate me on the question of who really killed John F. Kennedy and why. He's uh, written a book about it, as have I. Would love to have that debate. Maybe WABC could sponsor or host it sometime. Uh, Curtis Slewa, uh, arrested for the 78th time, I think, uh, during peaceful protests in Staten Island uh, this past week uh, against the tent cities and the uh, invasion of migrants there. He's on from 1215 to 1. Greg Kelly, the best-dressed man on radio, He's uh, there uh, on WABC from 1 to 3. Then, of course, there is America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, perhaps the greatest mayor in New York City history, much maligned but also much beloved, uh, and his legal and political analysis is always acute. Uh, I'm also a big fan of Andrew Giuliani, whose show precedes uh, this one. Uh, here's a guy that has a great, great future uh, in American politics in government. Then, of course, there's Katz and Cosby. Uh, this is the this is available every day at five o'clock. This is the greatest possible review of the biggest stories in the news, always with an all-star lineup of analysts. Also on Sunday mornings at eight o'clock. Uh, Rita Cosby, perhaps one of the most uh, incisive uh, and experienced radio journalists in America today. Uh, You don't want to miss my old friend, Dominic Carter. Uh, I found an old text message the other day from back in the days when Dominic Carter was at New York One where he asked me to get him an interview with none other than businessman and future president, Donald J. Trump. That's an interview that I actually made happen, uh, was uh, was a trip down memory lane. You also don't want to miss the great Sid Rosenberg uh, on Every Morning. Uh, Sid is uh, entertaining, combative, talks about politics, but uh, talks about what's going on in New York. Uh, great segment I did with him this past week. Uh, if you like the offbeat, Frank Marano on the other side of midnight. He starts at 1 a.m. Uh, and then not to be missed Uh, Larry Kudlow, uh, who had a birthday this past week. This is the man who quarterbacked the turbocharging of the uh, economy under President Donald Trump. So uh, you do not want to miss any of that. Uh, uh, So I strongly urge you to download the 77 WABC radio app. So it is all at your fingertips. One of the most famous of Stone's Rules, a book I wrote in 2015, is that the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. Well, I really experienced that this past week when MSNBC aired a segment of video in which they said that I discussed a plan to install fake electors uh, in order to uh, rig uh, the election returns uh, through fraud. That is uh, not even a close approximation. Here's what I actually said. Uh, although state officials in all 50 states must ultimately certify the results of the voting in their state, the final decision as to who the state legislatures authorized to be sent to the Electoral College is a decision made solely by the legislature. That is, by the way, according to Article 2 of the U.S. Constitution. Any legislative body may decide on the basis of overwhelming evidence of fraud to ascend electors uh, to the Electoral College who accurately reflect uh, and reflect the president's legitimate victory in their state, uh, which was illegally denied to him through fraud. We must be prepared to lobby our Republican legislators. That would be an entirely public process by personal contact and by demonstrating the overwhelming will of the people in their state, in each state. And this may have to happen now immediately, because I said this several days before the election. People said, ah, you see, Stone knew that Trump was going to lose and he was plotting. I never used the word plot. Uh, To install fake electors, I never used the word fake in order to rig the result. I never used the word rig. My statements are entirely legal. They're constitutionally protected free speech. uh, And more importantly, they're based on history. Based on the results of the 1800 election of Thomas Jefferson, uh, but even more precisely on the 1960 election, of John F. Kennedy, everything I said was both legally and historically correct. No plotting, no fake electors, no rigging. But this caused uh, an amazing uh, firestorm on the internet with MSNBC, Ari Melber, uh, and uh, Morning Joe leading uh, the the charge. Uh, Stone had incriminated himself, uh, said uh, a former prosecutor John Flannery to uh, Newsweek. Uh, first of all, is Mr. Flannery a Democrat? I bet my money on that, but there's nothing in anything that I said that was improper or incriminating. But you see, that's how the, the this works. In other words, you create a media firestorm based on a false nav- narrative. It gets repeated over and over and over again uh, until the false narrative Takes root. By the way, Newsweek, among those who covered this, said that they contacted me for a comment. Um, I have, unfortunately, no such comment contact. Uh, this is exactly how the weaponized fake media works. Is how it worked in the Russian collusion hoax. It is how uh, it was. It works today. Uh, this is part and parcel of a broader effort to weaponize the justice system uh, in order to interfere with the next presidential election. The great Victor Hanson Davis put it best when he said, the big challenge now is that they're setting a precedent with these indictments in Georgia and by special counsel Jack Smith that you can't challenge and you can't object to a ballot count because if you do, you're into a conspiratorial racketeering mode and your legal team cannot offer you advice to you because if they do, they're going to be disbarred or they're going to be bankrupt uh, by the outrageous legal costs. Extremely well said. Why is this happening? In the 45 years that I have been in American politics, I've really never seen anything quite like it, but I think I understand it. Uh, Joel Benenson, a Democratic pollster, the pollster for Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign. This past week published a poll of 800 likely voters nationwide, which showed Donald Trump at 46 and Joe Biden at 46. So despite the very best efforts of the mainstream media to bury the Biden corruption story bubbling out of the house investigations, uh, we are uh, we're subjected to a constant drumbeat of negative information regarding Donald Trump. Uh, you see, they, they continue to repeat the narrative uh, until they uh, get some federal prosecutor or some investigator to believe it is a, a true. In my case, for example, in the Mueller witch hunt, in which the government produced no evidence whatsoever of Russian collusion or WikiLeaks collaboration or any other crime uh, for that matter, they ultimately came up with process crimes, claiming that I had lied to Congress under oath in my voluntary testimony to the House Intelligence Committee. Yet, since there was no Russian collusion and no WikiLeaks collaboration, I had no motive to lie. Nonetheless, a federal prosecutor told multiple federal judges that they had probable cause to charge me with conspiracy against the United States, mail fraud, wire fraud, unauthorized access to a computer, money laundering, counterfeiting, aiding and abetting a felony, uh, misprison of a felony uh, after the fact. Uh, they seized my computers. They can seized my cell phone. Uh, they famously raided my home at 6 o'clock in the morning uh, with CNN cameras in tow. Uh, After tearing apart my home and my office for 13 hours, they found no evidence whatsoever that would be produced in my trial against me. Uh, It is really, truly abuse. Uh, It is uh, important to note that on November 3rd of 2020, long after my pardon, but on election day, the single busiest media day of the year at midnight based on the orders of a federal judge robert mother was forced through the justice department to release the last remaining long redacted sections of his report which had been withheld from my defense attorneys at my trial in which he admitted that he had found quote no factual evidence to support my involvement with russian collusion WikiLeaks collaboration, or, for that matter, any other crime. So my wife and I and my family were put through two years of hell, lost our home, our savings, my car, most of our insurance, my livelihood, my ability to make a living, plus being subjected to constant death threats, uh, threats against my family. Uh, It is a nightmare that you can only appreciate if you, like General Michael Flynn, Uh, or Paul Manafort, or now President Donald Trump, has been put through. I don't wish it on my worst enemy. But that's how the media works. So now I have a ubiquitous number of people demanding uh, that Roger Stone be indicted and arrested. Let me be clear about a couple things. As far as the efforts to delay the certification of the Electoral College in the U.S. Senate, I have no involvement in that whatsoever. In terms of being involved in the efforts to challenge the results in Georgia, where I do, based on my own reading, believe that there is very real evidence of election fraud and irregularities. I have no involvement whatsoever. And any claim that I was aware of, uh, involved in, or, or for that matter, condoned any illegal activity at the Capitol on January 6th, well, that's an egregious lie as well. But uh, as I think it was uh, Benjamin Franklin who said, uh, the lie is halfway around the world before the truth even gets its pants on. Uh, And that is the sad fact. If you're just tuning in, this is Roger Stone. This is the Roger Stone Show on WABC Radio. Uh, You can find us at 770 on the AM dial, or you can go to wabcradio.com. This past week, Tim Stanley, writing for the UK Telegraph, says that Michelle Obama will be the likely 2024 Democratic nominee. Now, maybe uh, Mr. Stanley heard uh, our interview right here on The Roger Stone Show with documentary filmmaker and author Joel Gilbert, I think that was two weeks ago, or perhaps uh, Tim Stanley uh, heard my speech at Turning Point USA where I said uh, over a month ago that I believed that Michelle Obama would ultimately be selected as the Democratic nominee for president. I say this on the basis of several factors. First of all, the change in the lineup of the Democratic selection process, where they have stripped Iowa and New Hampshire, the first contests in the nation, of their delegates, moving the first delegate process to South Carolina, a state where there's an absolute majority within the Democratic primary voter electorate. Uh, The Chicago, the convention will be held in Chicago, Michelle Obama's hometown. And in many ways, Michelle Obama is following the exact path of her very successful husband. Michelle Obama was the keynote speaker at the last Democratic National Convention. She introduced Democratic nominee Joe Biden, just as her husband, Barack Obama introduced uh, John Kerry to that year's convention, really his first national political debut. For those who want to make jokes about Michelle Obama and her gender or her sexuality, or uh, I think that's an egregious mistake. Uh, anybody who doesn't understand that she is one of the most popular uh, and best known women in America, that she has uh, a a non-political image that would be an asset in the current atmosphere, uh, and that she and her husband can raise unlimited amounts of campaign money, that she can easily select the signatures necessary to get on the ballot in the early contest, uh, and uh, couple that with the fact that uh, the scandal regarding Joe Biden, uh, extortion, uh, money laundering, Uh, influence peddling, uh, illegal lobbying, racketeering, literally selling his office to the Chinese, uh, the Russians, the Romanians, the Ukrainians, uh, is only going to get worse. Kudos to the New York Post, which has led the way, the fearless reporting of Miranda Devine uh, and John Levine uh, at that newspaper, uh, where many in the national press are ignoring that story, but I'm convinced that the ultimate weight uh, of the investigation uh, into uh, the Bidens will make Joe Biden completely and ultimately unelectable. Stay tuned for more on that story. Uh, The charges uh, against Donald Trump in Georgia are really a furtherance of this entire weaponized political atmosphere Uh, This is, without any question, as the president likes to say, something we've never seen in our history before. Uh, It has multiple uh, goals. One, of course, is to try to smear his name. It is completely counterintuitive that the ongoing lawfare against Donald Trump uh, has had the direct opposite effect uh, of its desired result at the hands of the Democrats Uh, by all measures- Uh, In all polling, uh, the president has only gotten stronger. This week, for the first time, he hit uh, 60 uh, percent of the vote uh, in the Republican contest. I can tell you, having worked in three of Ronald Reagan's presidential campaigns, Reagan was extraordinarily popular, uh, but he never had this kind of polling going into a nomination contest in 1980. Uh, And the president has continues to rake in tens of millions of dollars uh, in small and medium sized contributions that 's good because the other goal of those who have weaponized our political system our legal system pardon me against him uh, in an incredible act of election interference uh, is to drain his bank accounts, in other words, make him use funds that would otherwise be used to furtherance his campaign for president to pay massive legal bills. Uh, And according to public reports, published reports, the president has already spent $40 million on lawyers, now facing uh, trials in New York, South Florida, Georgia, uh, and the District of Columbia. Again, all because uh, of the overwhelming polling that shows that his lead for the Republican national uh, nomination is overwhelming. So overwhelming uh, that he decided this past week that he will not participate in the upcoming Fox debate, which I believe is scheduled for August 23rd. This is a, a decision that I, as a political professional of some 45 years, completely and totally agree with. First of all, Donald Trump is a totally known commodity. He has 100% name ID. Secondarily, he has what I believe is an insurmountable lead. Uh, He's not going to be denied this nomination, uh, and therefore he has nothing to gain by giving far lesser-known candidates uh, an open shot at him. Chris Christie, who's polling somewhere around 1% of the vote, uh, has been very, very open about the fact that he's searching for an opportunity to confront and seek to embarrass Donald Trump. Uh, in that Fox uh, debate setup, the president can expect uh, no fairness from the moderators. Uh, Fox's hostility, uh, often reflected in the New York Post, which is also through the News Corporation, the owner of Fox television. Uh, is also uh, uh, continually reflects a hostility uh, by its ownership. And therefore, I think very much like uh, going into debates with John F. Kennedy in 1960, uh, a decision uh, disastrously made uh, by Vice President Richard Nixon, Donald Trump should not debate, particularly in this particular debate. Now, if the poll numbers change, I could change my mind. But there's no evidence that that is going to happen. Uh, I did get some good news this week. Tucker Carlson has agreed to come on uh, the Roger Stone Show here at WABC. Just a question of nailing down a date. Tucker Carlson uh, has been very active. According to the Wall Street Journal, uh, he is forming a new media company. uh, And that means a roadshow to raise the necessary financing for it. The numbers he continues to draw uh, to his show on Twitter really boggle the mind. The most recent show I saw with uh, Robert F. Kennedy uh, was I think his best show to date. Uh, It is extraordinary uh, the discussion on that show and I commend it to you. uh, A decision by the Department of Homeland Security not to give Secret Service protection Uh, to Robert F. Kennedy Jr., uh, who is uh, polling greater than the the level set by federal law. Federal law says that any candidate who's getting at least 15% and is duly registered with the Federal Election Commission is entitled to apply for protection. I've talked about this on the Roger Stone Show here at WABC before, but the interview with Tucker Carlson revealed a number of things that I didn't know. First of all, Robert Kennedy said that the Secret Service themselves were extraordinarily cooperative. Uh, When he applied, they told him that that, that they were prepared to meet with he and his wife to brief them on how protection would work, told them that they had eight teams in place uh, and that the protection could become uh, immediate. and uh, they were of the mind that this would be approved uh, by the Biden administration. What's particularly outrageous about the decision not to give Robert Kennedy Secret Service protection is the fact that his father, uh, Robert F. Kennedy Sr., the U.S. senator from New York State, uh, and the former attorney general, was brutally murdered uh, in 1968, Uh, on the evening of his smashing victory in the California Democratic presidential primary, Uh, his father, President, his uncle, pardon me, President John F. Kennedy, also murdered in the streets of Dallas, November 22nd, 1963. But even worse than that is the fact that the mainstream media continues to vilify Robert Kennedy as some kind of extremist simply because he challenges the government's narrative uh, regarding the safety and effectiveness of vaccinations. To his credit, when he debates this issue, which his presidential campaign is not centered around, uh, he's extraordinarily articulate, and I think he backs up his beliefs with a series of authoritative government and uh, medical studies from around the world But that is not the centerpiece of his campaign. His campaign has been built around war and peace issues. But this constant denigration of Robert Kennedy uh, as an extremist, uh, as a nut, as some kind of kook, uh, is the kind of thing that could inflame an insane person or a madman. uh, And uh, I I fear that someone will do actual harm to Robert Kennedy. Remember that Sirhan Sirhan, the man who uh, is still uh, incarcerated, accused of the murder of Robert F. Kennedy, the senator and presidential candidate, said that he killed Senator Kennedy because of Senator Kennedy's staunch support for the state of Israel. The notion that Robert Kennedy is in any way anti-Semitic, that is a false trope. Last weekend we had the noted Democratic political consultant Hank Shankoff on this show, uh, Rabbi Shankoff, that is, a man very close to the vibrant Jewish community in New York City. Uh, he does not believe that to be true. Uh, a number of other prominent rabbis and other leading figures in the Jewish community who know Robert Kennedy know that that is not true. Uh, but it is, uh, it is an ongoing criticism of him that I fear may empower or embolden some hater. So even though I support Donald Trump for president, knowing more about this now, uh, I pray, and my wife prays for the safety of Robert Kennedy in his presidential campaign. The most interesting thing about the, uh, the interview with Tucker Carlson uh, was the segment that pertained to the uh, Origins of the Ukraine War. Uh, a lot here that I did not know, uh, but I know now. I really urge you to download this. But evidently, according to Robert Kennedy, when Mikhail Gorbachev uh, agreed to withdraw 400,000 Russian troops from East Germany, thus allowing the reunification of Germany, uh, in return, the United States. Uh, and U.S. Secretary of State Jim Baker agreed uh, that uh, NATO would not move, quote, a single inch to the east towards Russia. The Russians, uh, Gorbachev then, Putin today, have made it clear uh, that having a NATO-aligned nation on their border was unacceptable to them. We have broken that agreement. With 13 Eastern Bloc countries having joined NATO, but in every one of those, we have dropped silos for intercontinental ballistic missiles, as we have in Ukraine. The war in Ukraine was pro- was provoked by the neo-con faction uh, that has dominated U.S. foreign policy under both Republicans and Democrats, uh, and we. We lope, we drift closer and closer to World War III. Both of the peace candidates in the upcoming election are Donald Trump, who has the credibility of all of the parties involved in the Ukraine-Russia conflict and who has guaranteed a negotiated settlement. This has some credibility to me uh, because, uh, well, uh, Donald Trump has made it very clear uh, that he knows everyone involved and he has a track record uh, in the Middle East of uh, a a, a peace agreement that no one thought was possible. Uh, He brought the North Korean dictator in out of the cold, actually got them to temporarily delay uh, their nuclear weapons program. Uh, I, I think he is running as a peace candidate. Anyway, we have a great show for you today, uh, including uh, Lee Greenwood, country and Western superstar, uh, the man who penned and made God bless uh, the USA, uh, our second national anthem, a man who has stilled patriotism and love of country among millions of Americans, one of the most recognizable songs uh, really on the planet, one that still brings a lump to my throat and a uh, tear to my eye, he joins us, uh, as well as Garrett Ziegler of the Marco Polo Foundation. Uh, You can find him at marcopolousa.org. This is the 27-year-old prodigy who has analyzed, uh, organized, footnoted, and published all of the Hunter Biden laptop material, as reflected in the New York Post. Uh, That is uh, uh, an interview you also don't want to miss. Uh, in the meantime, I continue to be appalled by the New York migrant crisis. Uh, I now realize that the old Roosevelt Hotel, uh, a New York City lawn- landmark, once actually the headquarters of Mayor John Lindsay, of Governor Nelson Rockefeller, uh, of New York Governor Thomas E. Dewey, the 1944 and 48 nominee for president of the United States is now uh, a migrant holding center. The city is bursting at the seams. It seems to me to be uh, a, a very dangerous situation. Now you have the issues of a real potential tent city in Staten Island. I agree with Mayor Eric Adams when he said to the New York Post, I think this is a national and statewide issue that has been unjustly dropped into the lap of New York residents. We only make up 0.5% of the land mass in New York State, Adams told the New York Post just this past week. Well, Mayor Adams, you should recognize that it is the policies, the open border policies of Joe Biden that have brought us to this place. I still love New York, uh, but I pray for the safety uh, of every single resident In what can only be called an invasion. This is the Roger Stone Show. I'm Roger Stone. We have a great lineup waiting for you. So strap in. uh, And as Jackie Gleason would say, away, here we go.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system.
5: Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go.
1: Richard Nixon
5: Well, I'm not a crook
1: Ronald Reagan Tear down this wall George W. Bush I
2: can hear you, the rest of the world And
3: Donald Trump. And a friend of mine for a long time, he uh, only likes politics. If you ask him about how are the Yankees doing, he has no interest. If you ask him almost anything, he likes politics
1: and he's a professional at the highest level, Roger Stone. All of these presidents relied on one man to secure their seat in the Oval Office. That man is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC.
4: Welcome. This is Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show. Joining me now is a man I would call, well, the National Trooper, uh, a man who has done more to rouse the patriotic spirit of the United States than anyone since perhaps, well, Francis Scott Key, the man who wrote the Star-Spangled Banner. If that song is our national anthem, then God bless the USA is our national song. I am particularly proud to uh, to join Lee Greenwood here and welcome him on the Roger Stone Show. Lee, welcome for joining us.
2: Thank you very much, Roger. Great to talk to you. I, I always wished I guess I had a show named after me, but I don't have one. Um, I do have my name on my bus. <laughs> And we tour nationwide talking to people in America and trying to find out what the pulse is. And it's interesting, you know, as I talk to you now, uh, our tour will continue throughout the summer uh, all over the country and and just kind of get a feeling of what the nation is feeling right now about the attack on President Trump and uh, and the coming election.
4: Folks who want to know where Lee Greenwood can be seen and heard can go to leegreenwood.com. Uh, All of his tour dates are listed there. Uh, He's going to be in uh, Michigan uh, in several stops, uh, August 17th, August 19th, August 20th, going on from there to Georgia, from there to North Carolina. Uh, I urge you to go to LeeGreenwood.com. First of all, his biography is fascinating. Uh, My old friend Lee Atwater uh, told me that not only were you a country and Western artist, but he told me that you played a mean R&B saxophone.
2: Uh, and, yeah, uh, thanks. Roger. I, I played uh, the woodwinds since I was a kid. My mother was a piano player in the 40s. Of course, my my dad joined the Navy right after the bombing at Pearl Harbor. And uh, we were, you know, just uh, my mother and, and me and my sister were, were kind of left uh, for several years alone. So we were raised by my grandparents in Sacramento, California. And I, I had access to the piano, but I also loved the sound of the saxophone, and that's, that's when I started to play it. And by the way, we, we kind of missed Lee Atwater. You know, I I toured with George Bush 40, 41, and, and it was sad that we lost him during that campaign.
4: Well, uh, in fact, uh, President uh, George Bush appointed you to serve on the National Endowment of Arts Council. Your appointment ha- was approved by the US Senate. And that appointment has endured under both President Obama and continued under President Trump. Uh, Would it be fair to say that your expectations for God Bless the USA have really exceeded what you expected when you wrote it in the back of a tour bus in
2: 1983? Yeah, I I think that's very accurate. Um, We were writing songs on the road because I was playing every doghouse, outhouse, and roundhouse during the 80s, and it was difficult trying to keep up um, with our recording schedule. Not not alone writing music and uh, and I I had remembered that as a drum major from a high school band I loved pageantry I loved watching the military bands march by and they were all such precision uh, in their marching and and it was just something that inspired me to to feel patriotic I guess you'd you'd have to say at a very young age and I never lost that uh, that feeling even through my 20 years in Nevada where I performed in the casinos for so long, and I got my country music career moved to Nashville, Tennessee in 1979, and then as I'm touring, you know, I, I, I see the pageantry all the time still. Uh, I would play these major shows with fireworks, and I said, "Jesus this is so wonderful, and I don't know, one night, something inspired me when I saw a military marching band or just the National Guard here in Tennessee, and I and I wrote God Bless the USA, and you're right, it was in the back of my bus because I, I really just couldn't get home to write, and... And when we finally put it down on cassette tape, it was interesting how it, it had a life of its own, and it has ever since. Uh,
4: God Bless the USA has been in the top five on the country singles charts three times, 1991, 2001, and 2003, giving it the distinction of being the only song in any genre of music to achieve that fate. It was also the number one song on the pop charts right after 9-11. Additionally, CBS News voted God Bless the USA the most recognizable patriotic song in American history. Uh, Even Beyonce has recorded a cover of this song. That's a a heck of a commentary. Lee, I'm curious uh, about this. I had uh, country and western star John Rich on a couple of weeks ago was right here at W.A.B.C. for The Roger Stone Show. And I asked him, who were his major musical influences? Who would you say uh, in any genre uh, has influenced uh, your sense of style and your musical style?
2: It's a good question. I, I, because I started as a musician first, I mean, I sang in the Baptist church when I was like eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 in those years inspired by gospel music and my belief that I, I needed to be a Christian. But beyond that, I, my mother was a jazz player in the 40s. And uh, and because I had a lot of her records at home, and, and I say records, there were 78-inch <laughs> records. I don't know if you remember those or not. They go way back before, 33 and a third. And we had a little record player, and I would play songs that she had listened to, one of which was called Artistry and Rhythm, which was by Stan Kenton. And Stan Kenton was like considered the father of American jazz, and so that's kind of was my beginning. Before I even became a notable singer, uh, I worked in the lounges and the main rooms of Las Vegas and Reno and Lake Tahoe for almost 20 years, and I, I would listen to people all the time, all around me that were all very good. But I think more, moreover, I was influenced by the culture uh, that was spawned uh, from America's past, and and uh, Ray Charles became a favorite for me uh, to listen to, Peeble Bryson, uh, Sam Cooke. Uh, for some reason, the rhythm and blues really settled with me really well. And I know when I came to Nashville, uh, my style was a lot different than anyone else, not just being from the West Coast, but because of my background. And I was talking to T. Graham Brown the other day, who's a very soulful country singer, and he said, I came to Nashville because I heard your voice. And so it's nice, it's nice to know that you know, we have brought that side of the coin uh, to country music because country really found its own in the last 30, 40 years and moved away from just basically country and western. And when I toured with Barbara Mandrell and Kenny Rogers and Ronnie Millsap and the Oak Ridge Boys and the Gatlin Brothers and you name it, um, I, I had the other side. I had the contemporary approach to it. But there's there's enough to raise your emotions, you know, through all the music that we had. And we've uh, we've had 40 years of songs, 40 years of hits, uh, which brings me to the fact that we have actually a film that we um, that we made that is going to be shown in motion picture theaters across America on Veterans Day, that features 40 different singers singing the 40 hits that I've had over the years, and uh, and we're going to issue a, uh, a an invitation for people to uh, to bring a veteran to uh, to the movie theaters across America. Uh, with an initiative called Adopt a Vet. Uh, That's adoptavet.com. And and for $50, send a veteran and their caretaker to see this wonderful film on Veterans Day.
4: Uh, I'm not surprised to hear you list uh, Ray Charles as an influence. As a fan of uh, Otis Redding, Solomon Burke, uh, O.V. Wright, I really do feel an R&B inflection in your music that I think is different than any other country and Western artist that I like. Uh, you have recently released the God Bless the USA Bible. Can you share with us what that's about and why it's special?
2: Yeah, my, my wife and I, of course, we've been married 31 years, and uh, she's such a beautiful woman. And she actually led me back to Christ. And and I, you know, for many years, uh, I just didn't have time to go to church. And I, and I was like on the, in, on the fringes, if you will. We have our own Bibles set by our, our bedside, and we have a table piece in our center uh, of our living room, but I thought in order to find uh, the younger generation and reach them, not just as a Christian, but as uh, a patriot, we uh, decided to manufacture a King King James Version of the Bible. It's leather-bound. It says, God bless the USA, Holy Bible, and in the back of the Bible, we've added a readable version of the Constitution, the Pledge of Allegiance, the Bill of Rights, Uh, And the Declaration of Independence. So when people have this Bible, you can go to uh, GodBlessTheUSABible.com or my website, LeeGreenwood.com, to find it. We are now in its second printing, and it's just a beautiful uh, leather-bound place where you can go for peace and uh, and a lesson for your children and your neighbors in patriotism.
4: You know, very recently I had a very well-known actor come and visit me uh, in South Florida. Uh, And I was really pleased to meet him. But before we met, he asked whether we could have dinner at some place where we wouldn't be seen together. I thought that was a little surprising. (laughs) Many, many people in the entertainment industry uh, don't want to talk about politics, don't want to talk about their belief in Christ, don't want to talk about their patriotism. You seem to be a man who, to me, has no fear. Can you talk about that for a moment?
2: well thanks for thanks for asking that I, I am I am proud of that, and you mentioned uh, my friend John Rich. Uh, we are very close, uh, as is me and Tony Orlando and Gary Sinise and a few others who have no uh, fear about stepping out and talking about America first but i don 't use my stage and I do over a hundred shows a year uh, to talk about politics or my conservative beliefs. Uh, basically i 'm an entertainer first and and i don 't use my stage for that now, in an interview as i 'm talking to you, Roger, I am proud to tell you that I will talk about america 's greatness and its freedom uh, day after day after day i you know I just uh, i 'm so blessed and so lucky i 'm a little bit different than most being from California, but i don 't care if you 're from Texas, New York, or California or florida or wisconsin i mean i i've met people everywhere who believe this country is the greatest country on earth and so i'm not afraid to step out and do that
4: Uh, throughout your career you've had the opportunity to perform for several u.s presidents uh can you share the most memorable experience you've had or do you have a favorite president i know that may be a difficult question because you have uh, met them all you're pictured on your website at leegreenwood.com. folks go to this website you can not only find out everything about Lee Greenwood, but you can also find out what his upcoming tour dates are, uh, buy some great products, uh, his music, uh, his videos, his Bible. Uh, but uh, tell us about your experience with the presidents.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i a Reaganite. I mean, I, I go all the way back to the Reagan days when I toured with the president um, I was kind of Nancy Reagan's champion. Anything that the First Lady needed, I would generally respond to her. And and it was the same with uh, George 41, George Bush 41, and Barbara Bush, who I love dearly, both of them. As a matter of fact, uh, even though President Trump has used my song as his entrance uh, when he does rallies, I, I sang for President Trump at the Lincoln Memorial for his inauguration. But I also sang for President george bush 41 at the lincoln memorial for his inauguration and i will tell you that my years with president reagan and and vice president bush at the time i really became very close to 41 and uh, we spent time at uh at camp david at the white house several times uh just sitting and watching a motion picture i played piano for him in the west wing and just before uh, uh he he went away from us um we, my wife and I went to Nantucket and and actually played piano and sang for him in his residence there um, at Kenny Punkport and I, I was just like oh my gosh you know this is so wonderful to, to see him and be a friend of, of that president he is my favorite and was uh,
4: I agree with you when it comes to being a uh, Reaganite uh, I worked in his 1976 1980 <clears throat> and 1984 campaigns and once, uh, when Nancy Reagan was visiting Darien, Connecticut, uh, in the early fall on a particularly cold day, uh, I was smart enough to bring a pashima shawl for her, and therefore I remained one of her favorites. And from that point on, I could do uh, no wrong. Uh, I I, uh, I admire the fact that you have uh, performed for all these presidents. It is uh, it must be a truly, truly great experience. Uh, looking at today's contemporary uh, country artists, or for that matter, all artists, other than the aforementioned John Rich, who was really, really great here on The Roger Stone Show several weeks ago, who else out there does Lee Greenwood listen to? Who do you like?
5: Well,
2: um, Jason Dean, I like uh, Mark Wills, who may be my favorite singer in country music. Um, of course, Justin Lynch, um, Lee Bryce, uh, they, there's several that actually um, make the kind of music that I like to make. There's, uh, there's artists on the contemporary side, but I think the the more George Strait kind of act, that's a cowboy act, kind of hones in on why people went to country music in the early days, leaving adult contemporary, if you will, you remember that format. And and leaving rock and roll, which is so hectic and uh, and and brings you to a, a fast pace to live in a big city, I think that's why people uh, levitated towards country because it had simple stories. It was three chords and a, and a song, and uh, and and that's what a lot of my records were about. I mean, we have 36 albums that basically are all stories and songs about hurting and love and and some breakup, but some romance and and uh, and and great songs. And I think. The artists that sing them today still inspire me because they are so good.
4: Uh, Look, I recognize and I respect the fact that you try very hard to keep your presence as an entertainer separate from your political uh, and your religious beliefs, but you have no fear about speaking out about what you believe in, and I admire that. Uh, Given what's happened in this country in the last two days, what's happened in the last two years... What are your feelings and hopes for America's future?
2: Uh, I, I, guess, I guess my greatest hope um, is that people will search for the truth. Uh, today's media, and we have two sons that are 28 and 25, and um, that, that is their biggest um, challenge, is to sort through media to find the truth. And, and there's a lot of misinformation and it comes not just from the United States, but from other countries as well. And it feeds through streaming and downloading. You, you, can't, you, you can't just turn on the news anymore and go, Oh, I trust what they say. You really can't. Um, you have to find out exactly what the items are. I generally get my information from the stock report in the morning. Uh, and I like to find out what things are in, in the world and, and who's doing well and who's not. It gives me a little bit better of an insight. Um, but this, it's, it's tragic in how... This recent uh, lynch mob is going after a former president who is actually in line to be the next president. And I, I am just uh, appalled that, that they would bring this to bear. I mean, if they had any issues with what uh, our former president has done, why didn't they bring it to bear three years ago or four years ago, for that matter? Uh, you can clearly see it's an attack in order to eliminate him from running as, as the next president.
4: I could not agree more. I mean, uh, this past week's uh, indictment in Georgia, the more I dig into it, the more I see uh, that we're in this place in America where questioning the outcome of an election, which should be everybody's First Amendment free speech right, has suddenly been criminalized if you're Donald Trump. But if you're Kamala Harris or Nancy Pelosi or Congressman Jerry Nadler or, or Stacey Abrams or Congressman... Jamie Raskin, well, then it's perfectly all right, because they did exactly that in 2000. They did it again in 2016, again in some states in 2018. It seems to me to be a two-tiered justice system, but I know quite a bit about that. Uh, Like you, um, uh, I renewed my faith in Jesus Christ. It is true that there are no atheists in foxholes. Uh, And uh, a time came in my life uh, when I was the target of the Mueller witch hunt, when I had actually done nothing whatsoever wrong. You can't lie under oath in your voluntary testimony about Russian collusion that never actually happened. It's actually literally impossible. Uh, So I've been in this particular meat grinder. Uh, I spent time with President Trump about uh, two weeks ago. This guy's fortitude his determination, his resolve, his continued good humor under this withering attack uh, is beyond anything I've ever seen. Look, I I worked for President Nixon. Uh, I worked for Senator Bob Dole. They were both very, very tough guys, but not nearly as tough. I think a lesser man would have withered under this extraordinary attack. Uh, It it is really uh, beyond belief. And uh, I'm inspired by the way you are inspired by your faith. What advice would you give to young artists who want to express uh, their values through their art, through their music?
2: Well, I think um, first and foremost, music moves the culture. Um, I remember reading books about Hitler when he began to take over Germany. The first thing he did was to get rid of the books uh, and get rid of the history uh, of the people of Germany. And so I think we need to look at our history. When people write songs and sing songs, they got to, they have to know they're influencing the culture with every song they release. Uh, and and it, it, it arouses the emotions of the listener, and that's why artists become popular, because they say what we feel. And and when I write a song, I'm the same way. I try to write something that not just people would relate to, and it's not about the money as much as it is being artistic. I want to make sure that what I release is, uh, is palpable. It's something that people can relate to in their own personal lives. And that would be my advice to all new artists, plus the fact that records are kind of your flag bearer. Um, and, 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 and radio uh, jumps on a song after it's been popular with Downstream because uh, it's a whole new, whole new way of, of, uh, of releasing music now and if you intend on uh, reaching the public it's the same old game as it always has been you have to get on a bus or an airplane and you have to find the people where they are and bring the music to them so work hard and, and make sure your message is true and, and not cheap
4: Folks, if you're just tuning in, this is The Roger Stone Show on WABC Radio. You can uh, find us at 770 on the AM dial if you live in the New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Or you can always listen to us at WABCradio.com where we are live streaming worldwide. Uh, People need to understand the enormity of Lee Greenwood's career. He's had seven number one songs, 25 charted singles to his credit. Uh, He has won numerous industry awards, Male Vocalist of the Year for the Academy of Country Music uh, in 1983, two Male Vocalists of the Year awards from the Country Music Association in 1983 and 84, a Grammy for Top Male Vocal Performance in 1985. Uh, The CMA also named God Bless America as its song of the year all the way back in 1985 that demonstrates how extraordinarily enduring god bless the usa is i must tell you uh, it brings literally a tear to my eye every time i hear the opening bars uh, i think it has just stood as an inspiration to millions and millions of americans who are proud to be americans who aren't ashamed of our country who do recognize that this is the last best hope of freedom in the world that we are as president ronald reagan said a shining city on a hill what impresses me lay looking at your website is how hard you work i mean how many days a year do you do you travel how many days are you on the road
2: uh, it's a lot less than i used to um in the first four 3 or 4 years it was almost 300 days a year trying to find the fans and we did that successfully My the acts that I was signed with at MCA Records at the time was Reba McIntyre George Strait the Oak Ridge Boys and Barbara Mandrell and Barbara and I toured together I toured with the Oak Ridge Boys and still do um, they're, they're all still my friends and I I, I really I, I don't know I, I have a passion about touring and also I, on a selfish note that if I have to keep my voice in shape to be able to sing at 100%, which I I always try to do, um, I just can't be off very long. If I if I don't sing for a month, it is a struggle to get back at my age. Now, even though it might have been harder younger, it's much harder now. And so I think it's better that I continue to sing and continue to tour, uh, with my wife's permission and my two boys, of course, my family, we want to spend more time with them, and uh, it's, it's interesting that we always have that same battle that anyone else does, and that's weighing business against family, and there are different times when it's a different priority, but for right now, it's, it's touring and, and trying to lift the hearts of America coming to this election. I know I've become a champion for the military, and that makes me proud, which is why, again, why we're releasing this movie nationwide on Veterans Day, Go to adopt a and send a veteran and their caregiver for $50 to a movie. Oh, my gosh. They will be so proud, and and, uh, and you will have done something wonderful. We want to send 50,000 veterans to these movie theaters.
4: Yeah, I've, I see the promotion for this on your website. It really looks extraordinary. Uh, I urge people to go once again to LeeGreenwood.com uh, to see – uh, not only uh, the upcoming tour dates, uh, you can look at 40 years of hits. Uh, you can access his music, his videos, some terrific uh, photos, go to the store there and support this, uh, iconic, uh, American artist. Uh, it, this has uh, been an extraordinarily, uh, extraordinarily, extraordinary pleasure uh, and honor to have you. Let me ask you a final question, uh, are there any current issues or causes that you feel particularly passionate about uh, and you'd like to bring more attention to?
2: Uh, well, as we have talked about, I, I dedicated my, my, my father was military. My wife's father was military. So we're Navy and Army, both invested. I did not serve in the military. So this is kind of my way uh, to giving back. And I I don't know what makes somebody a patriot. I, You know, I think it's just love of country because – Home is where your heart is, and and if your heart is is here in America, then you need to take care of America, and that's that's pretty my initiative, and that's what I'm I'm trying to do during my remainder of my touring life, my touring years, and so once again I will mention adoptivet.com That is as something I really believe in, and so if you'll help me uh, and all of your listeners, uh, go to adoptivetcom Thank you.
4: All right, there's a perfect uh, plug for it, a very important and worthy cause. This is Roger Stone. This is The Roger Stone Show. And I want to thank uh, American icon, patriot, uh, and uh, superstar Lee Greenwood for joining us on The Roger Stone Show today. God bless you, Lee. Uh, may your travels be safe uh, and successful.
2: Thank you, Roger, and God bless the USA. God bless the USA.
1: This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A
3: man who's gone through hell, but he's kept going, and he's smart, and he's strong, and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect
1: him. Roger Stone. Now, here's Roger Stone.
4: This is The Roger Stone Show on WABC Radio, WABC. Making AM radio great again. And joining me now is Garrett Ziegler. He is the head of the Marco Polo Research Group, a nonprofit that has dedicated itself to educating the American people. Uh, about the uh, Biden family and specifically the now undisputedly authentic contents of Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, I think an enormous amount of credit uh, goes to Miranda Devine of the New York Post and also to Emma Joe Harris of Breitbart News, uh, trailblazing journalists who were among the first in the country, if not the first, to publish the shocking contents of Hunter Biden's laptop, you will remember that prior to the last presidential election, 51 current and former intelligence agency figures assured us that this uh, material had, quote, all the markings of Russian disinformation. We now know that that was a lie. Uh, We also know that those 51 Former and current intelligence officials were rounded up by current secretary of state, Anthony Blinken, uh, who has paid no price and been held to no account for that act. But Marco Polo, uh, the research group, which you can find at MarcoPoloUSA.com, USA dot com, pardon me, dot org. I think that's correct, uh, has done an incredible job of not only faithfully and meticulously publishing all this information, but also very carefully footnoting it uh, and uh, and setting it up in such a way that it is entirely understandable for the average citizen who wants to see what is there. Joining us now is the head of this group, Garrett Ziegler. Garrett, welcome to The Roger Stone Show.
5: Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Stone. I appreciate this. I'm honored.
4: So, uh, tell us a little bit about your organization, uh, your mission, uh, what you have set out to do, and what you have done.
5: Yes, so everything coming out this week with the so called Uh, pseudonyms, which are really aliases, all of that was already in our report in October of 2022. And as you mentioned, Miranda Devine actually covered that in 2021. But I think what we did and our value add in all of this is that we actually went through four other aliases that Joe used. So Joe like a true mob boss had five different alias email addresses and this was a way for people even if that you know these emails were leaked to not tie these back to Joe easily. Now the problem is is that they CC his uh degenerate son hunter so we're able to figure out that it was joe all along but basically we provided the exhaustive account of the contents of the device and our number of crimes is 459 and that is a floor not a ceiling there could be more but we have evidence for 459 violations of state and federal laws and regulations. And so what we've done, and you mentioned other people who've done great work on this, our value add has been to create an exhaustive record. That's goal number one. And goal number two is to create a permanent – digital repository. So, for example, even if President Trump wins the election again, our website's not going to go offline. We are, for the rest of time, going to be hosting the contents of this device, which features, you know, numerous naked pictures from the U.S. First Family, business-related crimes, sex-related crimes, and drug-related crimes. It's truly, from a sociological standpoint, a fascinating family. I mean, they're basically, uh, you know, they're fodder for investigators because it's just so fascinating how somebody can become this way. And, you know, Joe is basically uh, projecting a facade to the American public that he's this, like, Catholic churchgoer. And, uh, you know, his family is just perfectly intact this is a this is a disastrous family in in person and how they actually are amongst one another and so we're creating this permanent repository so that people know the truth one of the things i admire you for rogers your is your book on the jfk assassination what the public knows about the jfk assassination versus what really happened there's a gulf between those two things and there's a gulf between what the public you know, used to think about Joe and what they now know because of groups like us putting out the actual source documents.
4: So, uh, people can get a copy of this by going to MarcoPoloUSA.org uh, where yes, you sir. can either order a printed copy or you can actually download it. Uh, I will say yes. that you have very thoughtfully blurred a number of the more pornographic images uh, that are involved uh, so that uh, you can actually safely have this around the family. Uh, you operate with a relatively small uh, staff of, I think, eight young people. Uh, you, yes. uh, you, you have no George Soros uh, figure in the wings uh, donating multi-millions of dollars to keep your operation going. Uh, And you have come under extraordinary uh, legal threat uh, and pressure uh, from Hunter Biden's eighteen hundred dollar an hour lawyers uh, funded by a Hollywood lawyer screenwriter uh, by the name of Kevin Morris. It was uh, Mr. Morris who stepped up and paid Hunter Biden's $2 million uh, tax debt. One of the things I get sick of seeing on the Internet, and I see it constantly, is the idea uh, that my wife and I, because we owe money to the IRS from 2006, that we somehow got a sweetheart deal. Let me break this down for you. Uh, I owe the IRS $2 million three quarters of which is interest and penalty. So the the actual tax debt is slightly less than a half million dollars. It was substantially more than that, but I made eight years of monthly payments uh, on time and without fail to pay that debt down. And I would have continued paying it down. Uh, if the Muller witch hunt hadn't filed fabricated charges against me uh, and essentially drove my wife and I to the verge of bankruptcy, we lost our home. We lost our car. We lost our savings. We lost most of our insurance. We lost my ability to make a living. And ultimately, lost the ability to make our monthly payments. Hunter Biden failed to report, failed to declare somewhere between 8.9 and $10 million worth of income, income that I would argue that he earned illegally, uh, when my wife and I were never accused, there was never any evidence that we underreported or failed to report any income, nor did we fail to accurately report any asset, although assets are certainly de minimis at this point. Uh, the the IRS would negotiate no break in interest in penalty through their uh, offering compromise period. Uh, and therefore, my wife and I will end up paying for the rest of our lives uh, on a monthly basis. I don't have a West Coast sugar daddy to step in and pay my taxes. Uh, this is apples and oranges. I got no it sweet is. deal. Uh, the, they, uh, the Department of Justice thoughtfully put out a press release. Uh, on a Friday, in the middle of the offer and compromise negotiations between my very good tax lawyer uh, and uh, and the IRS announcing this civil lawsuit, uh, they imply in their press release that we somehow underreported or failed to report income. That is false. Uh, they implied that we withheld uh, and didn't. Assets, that's also false. Everything was always disclosed to them. No, I would think. I would say I'm the one who's been treated unfairly. But I had to get that out of the way because it's a constant uh, meme. It's a constant theme uh, on, on the Internet. Uh, tell me about uh, the efforts to silence you, shut you down. I am among those who got a threatening letter from Abby Lowell, uh, notorious uh, Democrat, uh, paid uh, uh, paid hired gun lawyer out of Washington, D.C., uh, threatening that I can't talk about any of this, which, of course, um, I ignored. They wanted a an apology by March 31st of this past <laughs> year. Uh, that will not be forthcoming. All of this material is in the public domain, is it not?
5: it is and i appreciate you going into the specifics of that because a lot of people don't know the specifics and when you go into the specifics Roger people understand with greater clarity how much of a joke all of this is it's it's it goes beyond just a two tier system it's it has willful you know willful injustice baked in it's not just that the result was two tier the intent of it is to be two tier and it's disgusting And it's – the foundation of our government is to establish justice. That's literally the first clause of the preamble to the Constitution. We don't have that right now. And so uh, turning gears just a bit, not really, but a little bit, you have been one of the only people to recognize how important Kevin Morris is to all of this. And all of these other groups in America, Marco Polo is the only one being sued. We have a status conference on the 31st of August, and hopefully we're going to get it dismissed with legal fees uh, due to, ironically, California's anti slap law. So the person who paid off Hunter's tax debt, the person who's funding his lifestyle right now, is suing me and our group for intentional infliction of emotional distress. It's that pathetic. They didn't say that anything I said was false because they can't prove that. And everything else. So I have some pretty well healed, powerful enemies all allied against me. Uh, luckily, like you said, I have a group of guys behind me who are phenomenal, who help me with everything from legal to running the nonprofit, the accounting, and everything else. So I've, I'm well protected in that way, but it's, I won't call it terrifying, but. <laughs> One thing I will – I don't want to say sympathize with you is the degree to which these people in the media, even people at you know conservative incorporated outlets like the Washington Examiner, and I'm, used, I'm just using them as an example because they lied about our group this past week. They lie effortlessly. So the lies that are being spread about you just with regard to your tax situation, they lie so effortlessly they don't even think about it. And all they do is spew lies. And so I'm like you. I am obsessed about correcting the record. In fact, one spat that I'm going through right now, just to give your your audience a little bit of granularity on my end, beyond the Kevin Morris lawsuit, I've been fighting a guy who was uh, Steve Bannon's former co-host on War Room for two years now. His name is Jack Maxey. And he's this, like, 59-year-old guy who's basically been talking about the laptop material for two years. And I support him talking about the laptop material because I think he has the right idea about it. It, it, it reveals corruption, et cetera. But he's been falsely accusing me of being a federal agent or a federal informant, which is just utterly ridiculous. If he spend any amount of time with me in person, that somebody would ever believe that. I want him to go tell my parents that. They would laugh him out of the room. Uh, but anyways, I, he lies so effortlessly, Roger, that it really – it makes me interested in him sociologically because how somebody could lie like that and nobody demand any evidence for any of his claims. So when people spread these lies about you, say, on Twitter about your tax situation, hardly anyone, hardly anyone asks for a court docket or, or any hard proof for their claims – You know, in America, in the Western world, when you accuse somebody of something, you have to come forth with evidence. We've done a couple of interviews about the laptop, and a lot of the time of me talking to you is going through emails, going through text messages, going through other digital forensic work that shows what I am saying to be true. Our haters and our detractors, they never bring forth receipts. It's just ad hominem attacks. They don't like Roger Stone or they don't like Garrett. So I I think this is very important to go into, though, because if anybody's, you know, if anybody's listening and they hear those lies, you know, ask the person to bring forth actual hard evidence, and that will basically tamper down any of the BS they're spewing. Uh, It's interesting. I felt compelled to go through that. uh, I appreciate
4: that. I saw uh, Andrea Mitchell. Uh, who is, I must admit, looking kind of long in the tooth. Uh, Disgusting. uh, She interviewed me back during the Russian collusion hoax. She actually accused me on the air of being a Russian intelligence asset, uh, for which there is, of course, no evidence whatsoever. It was a smear. But I saw her saying that all of these allegations regarding uh, the Bidens uh, and, and any impropriety were unfounded. Uh, And I saw in the same interview, uh, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi say uh, that an impeachment inquiry would be a complete waste of time. Uh, Now, when I look at uh, the material you published, which you graciously mailed me a copy of, uh, also avidly following the coverage in The New York Post by Miranda Devine uh, and uh, John Levine, uh, I have seen... What appears to me to be credible evidence of extortion, uh, bribery, money laundering, uh, wire fraud, influence peddling, illegal lobbying, racketeering, uh, including evidence of multi million dollar payments to Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, uh, Uncle Jimmy Biden, and other members of the Biden family from China, Russia. Ukraine, Romania, uh, and elsewhere. Uh, Yes. So on what basis does Andrea Mitchell say uh, that these claims are unfounded?
5: (laughs) Well, they're unfounded in that Andrea Mitchell has not dug into them at all. In fact, Andrea Mitchell is in our report. She is very good personal friends with Joey. Uh, She was actually at Joey's granddaughter's graduation from the University of Pennsylvania and Andrea Mitchell's husband, uh, you know Greenspan, the former Fed chair, he was chummy and friendly with Hunter's uh, Chinese uh, business partner Patrick Ho, who was convicted of money laundering and FCPA charges. We actually have a picture of Greenspan and Patrick Ho. This is the this is the portly Chinese guy who who paid Hunter a million dollars to quote represent him legally. And Hunter didn't spend a day in court with him. All he did was find real white shoe attorneys at Edward, Krim, and Krieger to do the work for him. So Andrea Mitchell, along with being a shill and being disinterested and being friendly with Joey, she's actually implicated in the Biden laptop. There are pictures of Andrea on the Biden laptop, and email correspondence about Andrea Mitchell on the Biden laptop. So she's just covering her own skin in a hundred years i think she'll be looked at as nothing i mean she'll have a wikipedia entry that is like the ancient sophists she is essentially a sophist
4: you know i uh, used to go to uh, the beach in rehoboth delaware because uh, for those who live in washington dc that is kind of the uh, the summer place to go Uh, my wife and i would uh, usually rent a house there Uh, going now is unthinkable because I'm too recognizable and the constant attacks on me and the fake news media by certain jackals uh, has really made it uh, unsafe for me to go out in some uh, public places, which is a very sad commentary on America, as well as the intolerance uh, of the American left. But people I would meet who knew the Bidens, people who were tradesmen, you know, hairdressers, beauticians, landscapers, barbers, grocers, uh, people who provide services uh, had this universal complaint that they would provide goods and services uh, for uh, Joe Biden uh, and they would never get paid. Uh, And that when Mm -hmm. they pursued payment, they were both always told, uh, you're not we're not paying you if you don't like (laughs) it. Sue us. See how far that gets. Try suing a US senator. Uh, I I really believe that how people or people in exalted positions treat the little people uh, tells you a lot about them. This is always one of my great objections to the uh, to the talking head in Navarro. I've heard so many complaints from cab drivers, Uber drivers, hairdressers, doormen, the little people uh, who all feel that they have been abused by her. Uh, This tells you a lot about the character of the Bidens uh, and the way Joe tries to fashion himself as, you know, a, a blue collar guy, just good old Scranton Joe. How did Joe Biden on a U.S. senator's salary on a vice president's salary? How does he afford This palatial beach house, uh, which is, uh, I think, a multi million dollar home. How does he afford that plus a mansion in Wilmington, both of which is where he seems to spend most of his time as president?
5: Yeah, somebody's doing a tracker, and it's like 367 days now, so more than a calendar year has been spent on vacation in Delaware uh, at those two homes. The Rehoboth Beach was bought for 2.3 million in May of 2017. Ostensibly that was from his two ridiculous book deals that are basically, you know, money laundering uh, opportunities because they're with the big publishing houses, and he hasn't even written one word, and he gets a ghostwriter to do it. So that was in 2017, and more importantly, from the laptop, we have emails and checking accounts and allusions to other accounts that uh, Hunter was paying his, his living expenses, uh, his, his repairs for his house, contractors. So if you take those living expenses that normal people have to put off the table, that's how Joey is affording to live like a king. Uh, to, to, to supplement what you said on the stiffing contractors, I did a speech in Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, Tyler Nixon was there. Three people came up to me afterwards and said that there was a landscaper who put uh, you know, rocks, lining Joe's asphalt driveway down and he didn't pay for 6 years and the guy actually went there with a bulldozer or a, a, some type of uh, Komatsu tractor to remove the rocks and Joe came storming down the driveway after you know this is after 6 years of non-payment and Joe said what the f do you think you're doing get the f off my property right now or I'll stick the IRS on you so this guy has been a senatorial mobster for decades one guy that Marco Polo is talking to right now is J- is Jill Biden's first husband. You know, Joey actually crashed Jill's first husband's car. That's how he figured out they were having an affair. He was, t- he was driving the convertible, and so I'm actually meeting next week with Jill Biden's first husband. We're hopefully going to do a video, and it'll send them up the wall uh, because Joe not only cheated on – uh, Jill not only cheated on her husband with Joe but he actually wrecked this guy's car Bill Stevenson is his name so there you know to be to be um, quick about this and to, to be more articulate I would say there is a decade decades long trail of tears around this family and it's not necessarily murder but it is theft at a scale that was small before he got into the vice presidency, and now it's global in its scale. And, you know, don't if if your listeners have never heard of me before, and there's a good chance they haven't, you know, I was a witness for the mother of Hunter Biden's child, and they actually, you know, (laughs) put forth a motion to have me disqualified. In some ways, they're terrified of what I know, absolutely terrified. That's why Kevin Morris is suing me.
4: Uh, this, uh, if you're just tuning in, folks, this is Roger Stone, and this is the Roger Stone Show on WABC Radio. You can find us at 770 at the AM dial, or uh, if you're from out of town, you can always find us live streaming worldwide at WABCRadio.com. We're interviewing Garrett Ziegler with the Marco Polo Research Group, probably uh, the world's foremost expert on the contents uh, of Hunter Biden's laptop, as well as the epic uh, record of corruption uh, by the Biden family. Uh, And uh, we appreciate him being here today. Uh, Let me ask you this, Garrett. How do you think uh, the House Republicans are doing in their efforts to undercover, uncover the epic corruptions of the current uh, first family uh, and Joe Biden himself?
5: Um, Beyond their banking records and they've only released a few of the banking records i've been disappointed on their unwillingness to just release the banking records if they have to redact the account you know the account numbers so be it but they should be releasing the banking records in full with account numbers redacted beyond those documents which they subpoenaed they've been uh, very late and behind the eight ball They've focused on the wrong things. Um, they, for instance, Devin Archer. Uh, they they made a big deal about Devin Archer coming in. Uh, be through other correspondence we have from Devin Archer, we know that he perjured himself during that testimony. Um, so they've been very late on things, Roger, and they haven't subpoenaed the right people. Hunter's assistant katie dodge just turned 54 yesterday she should have been in, the, in in front of the committee back in march um when you're doing any sort of you know actual mobster investigation you want to go after the little people first by little people i simply mean the assistants the clerks the people who make the operation run because number one they're going to be more scared when they get a subpoena and number two they know more than people let on. For instance, I was the young guy in Peter's office. Peter obviously was much more important than me, and he's the one who got a lot of FaceTime with the president, which was right and just, because it was his show. It was his office. Nevertheless, I can promise you that I know I knew more about the, you know, the operations of that office than anyone, because it was my job to know. And the lower-level people in the Biden political mob – they need to be questioned as well. So, for instance, I'm talking about Katie Dodge, Joanne Mayer, uh, Aaron Strotter. Uh, they need to be going after these people. By going after them, I simply mean asking them questions under oath and compelling them to, to produce documents. So, again, I've been offering this advice. That's our job as a nonprofit to the Republicans, but it's going to be, it's going to ultimately be up to them. Uh, to, you know, get smart and get smart fast. These memos, again, are interesting, but they use very guarded language. You know, know, they, they say like a conflict of interest. That, again, conflicts of interest aren't necessarily illegal. It's disgusting, and we've come to expect those disgusting arrangements from the Bidens, but I'm about actual criminality. And so our report only details the crimes, right? Because I think that's what the American people should be. If they, if, if their first family is 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 totally blackmailed and compromised, they should know about the worst of it. So I hope that the House Oversight Committee, again, they're going to say they just got into power seven months ago. They just got the majority, but I was in their meeting with the staff, you know, in late November. So they've had almost you know nine months. And they just need to be sending subpoenas to everyone involved. Just go through our report. We, we list about 150 people. For instance, they shouldn't be interviewing this early on. They shouldn't be interviewing anybody famous. They should be, they should be interviewing people who are not well-known publicly, who know more than what other people think they do. So that is my take on the situation. Um, You know, the Democrats are evil. It's the saying, the Democrats are evil, the Republicans are stupid. I don't want to be the stupid party anymore. So hopefully we will become not stupid sometime soon.
4: Uh, Let let me ask you quickly about uh, Devin Archer. Uh, uh, Based on the New York Post coverage of his testimony, uh, based also on a very compelling interview he did with Tucker Carlson, which showed on Twitter, Um, it seems to me that he did very substantial Damage to Hunter simply by telling the truth. Uh, elsewhere, uh, and in some of your comments, uh, I got the impression that you felt that he held back someplace, dissembled. Tell us about that.
5: Yes. So basically, what our 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 big thing with Devin is very simple. He is still involved with the Chinese private equity firm that Kevin Morris now owns 10% of. Hunter basically gave that 10% to Kevin Morris. And Devin Archer's family, his wife, Krista, uh, is still owning 10% of that company. And not only that, Devin committed federal crimes by, after being indicted, transferring that ownership share to his wife. Now, that is that itself is not a crime, but they backdated the business documents. So we look at we look at Devin as a a very handsome, charming sociopath who basically gave everybody everything and gave everybody nothing at the same time. Those interviews, I am the nerd who actually read every single word of that of that testimony. And if you go into it, he he doesn't actually say that joey wanted to fire shokin to protect burisma we know joey did right because he admitted it on tape and we have other primary source documentation from the biden laptop but what devin actually says in that interview is that burisma wanted uh that basically the executives didn't mind shokin there because he was taken care of that even if he wasn't fired he was going to be bribed into doing Burisma's bidding i.e. not prosecute Burisma so devin is a little bit of a uh, chameleon in my in my estimation where he gave the committee talking points, but he didn't lead any he didn't lead to any new revelations um, there's so much that he knows and, but but guess what, Roger? If you go back and read the doc if, if you read the document, it says that his left wing attorney at Boy Schiller, Matthew Schwartz, and the Republicans decided beforehand on the scope of the interview. So there are questions that the Republicans couldn't ask because they stupidly agreed to an interview that was restricted. For, I want everybody to, to to remember that Devin Archer is set to go to the Clink on October thirty first. He's a, he is he swindled. Think about everything they've accused you of and me of. Much they've been they've been falsely accusing you for years now with the Russian collusion hoax. Devin Archer had a hand in swindling Native Americans out of sixty million dollars through a bond fraud scheme. Okay, he goes to prison on October thirty first. What country allows a convicted white collar criminal to set the terms of their interview? The Republicans should have said, "Listen here." You're going to answer our questions, period. <laughs> there is no setting of the terms. Like, we have the power here. We're the U.S. Congress. And, you know, unlike Killery, you can't just ignore us. So, again, I'm – but I'm a little bit of a curmudgeon. I feel like I'm an, I'm an 80-year-old stuck in a 27-year-old's body. Like, I, I just – Devin is very charming and very – he swoons people. And so he hasn't given us – we didn't learn, for instance, we didn't le- really learn anything from that interview uh, with Devin in the house. Um, there is so much to ask him about. There are specific meetings that they – and sometimes they forgot to ask him. And maybe, maybe going into the um, interview, <laughs> they were told they can't ask about that or he's going to walk out. Last thing about Devin. We know through emails that we've gotten from somebody within BHR, that is the Chinese private equity firm, that he is set to receive tens of millions of dollars from a payout in a lawsuit against the Nigerian government. It's called PNID versus Federal, Federal Republic of Nigeria. It's – it's it's. Uh, it's going on in london right now and it's going on in the district court of dc and devon basically owns a percentage share of this defunct british islands domiciled firm that is supposed to get like the payout is worth nine billion dollars so devon is still doing corrupt things even to this day and i talked to devon i called him up in 2021 and I and I said, doesn't it make you mad that Hunter got away with Indian bond fraud, didn't even get indicted, and and you're set to be uh, set to go to prison? And he tried char- he tried to, to charm me. He thought I was because I was speaking the truth about the situation of Hunter getting off scot free. He thought I was his friend, uh, when in fact I was just telling the truth. Hunter got away with something Devin didn't get away with. So I think that he, he's he's a little bit of. He's a tricky figure for the ride, and I'm just too much of a curmudgeon to go along with it. I think that he's he's swooning too many people.
4: All right. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Folks, I urge you to go to Marco Polo. USA.org. Uh, while you're there, uh, I hope you will consider a contribution uh, because uh, Garrett Ziegler and his colleagues are invited, involved in an epic legal fight. There's a ongoing effort to silence them. Their, uh, their research is meticulous. Uh, it is accurate uh, and their entire mission is courageous. So you can go there, order your own copy of a Print uh, of the uh, Hunter Biden laptop contents, uh, meticulously footnoted to make it more understandable, or you can actually download it from that website. Again, MarcoPoloUSA.org. Garrett Ziegler, thank you so much for joining us on The Roger Stone Show.
1: This is The Roger Stone Show on 77 WABC. A man who's gone through hell.
3: But he's kept going, and he's smart, and he's strong, and people love him. Not everybody, but people love him and respect him. Roger Stone.
1: Now, here's Roger Stone.
4: Welcome back. I'm Roger Stone, and this is The Roger Stone Show. Hope you've enjoyed today's show. I want to remind you again that... When you get a chance, grab the 77 WABC app for your cell phone so you don't miss any of the great programming we have here at WABC. WABC Radio, making AM radio great again. You can always find us at 770 on the AM dial, but no matter where you are, we are always live streaming worldwide at WABCradio.com. Uh, I got a great email this past week from Albert in Massapequa, who said, "Uh, I saw you on uh, your net-based show, The Stone Zone, this week, and I really, really liked your hat. What kind of hat is it, and where can I get one? Uh, I appreciate your your admiration of my my sartorial style. Uh, I was actually wearing a Panama hat, actually specifically an Optimo style. This is a style of hat that was made popular by an actor named uh, Warner Oland, who actually played Charlie Chan in the movies uh, and the 30s. Now, here's the thing. First of all, the Panama hat comes in various styles. The the uh, Optimo is, uh, is is just my personal preference, but there's the Futura, uh, there's the Gambler, uh, there's the snap brim. There's numerous types uh, of Panama hats. Uh, Panama hats uh, reach global fame kind of through a quirky history. Uh, they came originally from the Panama Isthmus, which links North and South America. Uh, that gave its name to an elegant hat known out through the world. Uh, now as the Panama hat, due to the fact that Panama Canal trading posts that ship products from all over South America was the first place they were seen. Now, the irony here is uh, the Panama hat, which of course is made of straw, uh, was never actually made in Panama. Uh, The very best versions originate in Ecuador, the only place in the world that has a long-lasting hat-weaving tradition. The construction workers uh, whose strength was tested building the Panama Canal first wore these Ecuadorian hats which is where they got the name Panama hat. But where it really became popular was in 1906 when President Theodore Roosevelt was seen, yes, on the streets of New York city, wearing a Panama hat year after year, the Panama weaving tradition uh, has been generational. Most of the weavers are part of a weaving family. That means grandmothers, grandfathers, teaching families across generations usually starting with a game of playing with small straw cuts from the floor and then as adults learning the extraordinarily dexterous skill of knotting the Panama fibers uh, into a beautiful handmade hat. Now, most of these weaving families live in the rural regions of Cuenca, about 45 minutes from the city center uh, in Ecuador, uh, and most of them travel by bus to to ply their craft weavings done by both men and women everywhere. And at any time early in the morning, out in the fields, in the roads, while walking children to and from school with babies in their backs, sitting at markets in the square on the weekends. But most evenings, well, everybody is wearing or working on a so-called Panama hat made in Ecuador. Once the weavers have completed their batch of hats, they bring them into sale for, for sale into the city center in Cuenca. Most of these weavers are self-employed and uh, they barter to get the best price for their hat. See, there was a time in America when no gentleman ever left the house uh, without their chapeau. Connecticut, where WABC radio has a huge and loyal audience, was actually the epicenter of the domestic hat industry. Summer and winter in the 1950s, no gentleman ever left the house without his hat. Whether it was a fedora, whether it was a Hamburg, whether it was a newsboy cap. going outside without a hat for a gentleman would be, well, like going outside naked. Then in 1960, John F. Kennedy appeared hatless on the campaign trail Uh, and at the 1960 Democratic National Convention in Los Angeles. And like that, the hat industry was over. Today, uh, you can get a hat. Uh, There's very few hatters left in the New York City greater area. Uh, Among the very best and the last is the J.J. Hat Center at 310 Fifth Avenue, which is between 30, and 32nd. This is the oldest hat store in New York City, uh, and they have a wide variety of Panama, those are straw hats for summer. Also, uh, the famous Big Apple Newsboy cap can be found there. Uh, there's also city hats at 55 East Houston Street in uh, the village, but that's really about it for the hat industry. So, uh, uh, Albert from uh, Massapequa, I thank you so much for your question. Uh, I remember I once asked former Massachusetts Governor Bill Weld, who comes from uh, one of those old families that came over on the Mayflower, where he got his hat, and he said, we don't get our hats, we have our hats. Thank you for your question. If you're just tuning in, this is Roger Stone, and this is the Roger Stone Show, uh, where you can hear us every Sunday from three to five. I recommend the WABC uh, radio app. It's the 77 WABC radio app. You can load it into your cell phone, or you can listen to us at wabcradio.com. If you are old timey, well, you can find us at 770 on the AM dial. Uh, A tip of the hat to... Station owner John Katsimatidis, who also hosts the Katz and Cosby show every day at 5 and Sunday mornings at 8, because, well, he is waging a one-man war to keep AM radio receivers in the next generation of motor vehicles. Believe it or not, uh, Tesla and Ford uh, announced some months ago that their next generation of vehicles – would not include an am receiver this is a terrible idea for a couple reasons not only because you can't listen to this great show or any of the great programming at wabc radio but also because the national emergency broadcast system uh, is based in am radio also the costs of actually having an am radio receiver uh, in any automobile is virtually de minimis the latest news on this front is that Tesla and Ford seem to be in retreat. So you will be able to listen to WABC on your AM radio when you buy a new car. Uh, it's important. We talked earlier in the show uh, about uh, the extraordinary effort to uh, criminalize normal political behavior uh, in an effort that I believe is to destroy President Donald Trump's chances at re-election. Uh, were he to be nominated in 2024, he will be the first uh, man uh, since Richard Nixon to be nominated three times by the Republican Party. Uh, that has uh, only happened in the case of Nixon, who was nominated in 1960, 1968, and of course, 1972. Uh, he would also be the only president... To serve a term and if elected uh, come back for a a second term that was not consecutive to the first the only other person to pull that off was also a New Yorker that was President Grover Cleveland Uh, prior to being elected governor Grover Cleveland was actually the sheriff of Erie County New York that's uh, Buffalo in the 45 years I've been in American politics I've really seen nothing quite like uh, this ongoing criminalization and efforts to destroy Donald Trump's campaign. The, they seek to do it three ways. One is, of course, to uh, drain his campaign coffers by forcing him to spend millions of dollars uh, on legal fees to defend himself in what are now four separate court actions. Secondarily to uh, to disrupt his campaign schedule. It now appears even though the trial dates are not set, either in South Florida, uh, in New York, uh, or in Washington, D.C., or in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, that uh, prosecutors and Trump's lawyers are clashing over those dates. But uh, how likely is it that they will be put off till 2026? I think unlikely. Uh, And then lastly, of course, it is to continue to blacken his name. That part doesn't seem to be working. Uh, as someone who studies the polls uh, and lives by them, uh, it's important to recognize that not all public opinion polls are the same. What I, might, what I mean by that is that uh, a poll's results can be affected either purposely or inadvertently. Uh, the poll has to have a large enough and a scientifically drawn sample that is an accurate reflection of the electorate that you're trying to assess. Uh, then there is the wording of the questions. Uh, they have to be dispassionate. They have to be uh, not loaded. Uh, they have to be completely neutral uh, in their phraseology. Uh, and then of course is the order of the questions. Uh, you can bias the results of the poll by putting the questions in the poll uh, in a certain order. So, for example, if you introduce negative information about a candidate prior to testing a trial heat ballot in a poll, well, you wouldn't get an accurate result. You would be cooking the results. That's why it is best to look at a large number of polls over a similar uh, or succinct period of time to try to understand what's going on and what's going on. Is really quite profound uh if you take the average of all of the where i respect the methodology and the pollster be they republican or democrat uh, what you see is a phenomena unseen before in american politics donald trump continues to actually hold a massive lead that this week hit 60 percent in the national polls That is an all-time high in terms of Republican preference. Now, the New York Post ran a poll that said 63% of Republicans now favored the nomination of Trump, but that 53% of Americans said they would not vote for him in a general election. I thought the sample size from that poll was a little small, but I also point out that in any poll, there is a margin of error, depending on the size uh, of the polling sample, Uh, the plus or minus in that particular poll was about three and a half percent. So that means that they may be uh, 50 percent of the people uh, who say they won't vote for Donald Trump or it could be 56. But it also means that Donald Trump could be at 66 or he could be at 60, depending on the margin of error. Uh, probably the best commentary I saw about where we are today uh, came from Professor Alan Dershowitz. Uh, Alan Dershowitz was a, uh, one of the lawyers representing Al Gore in the historic uh, 1988 presidential campaign recount. Dershowitz wrote, um, I was one of the lawyers involved in objections to Florida's presidential vote in the year 2000. A margin of less than 600 ballots determined that George W. Bush, rather than Vice President Al Gore, won the state, uh, and thus the Electoral College votes from that state. I was convinced then, and I am convinced now, that that result is wrong. Yet no one was indicted, disbarred, disciplined, or even much criticized for those efforts, yet here we stand today. As Professor Dershowitz says, Donald Trump and 18 other defendants have been charged with election fraud, conspiracy, racketeering, and more under a law designed to take down criminal organizations such as the RICO Act. Should Al Gore have been charged in 2000, Dershowitz asks? Uh, What about Dershowitz himself? Dershowitz points out that he represented the voters of Palm Beach County, many of whom voted by mistake for Pat Buchanan. Uh, rather than Gore, because of the infamous butterfly ballots and the hanging chads. Remember those? They prevented votes from being accurately counted. Now, by my memory, uh, even though Gore campaign chairman Bill Daley, who was the son uh, of the legendary Chicago mayor Richard J. Daley, complained about Florida's use of the butterfly ballot, The butterfly ballot had been in broad usage uh, in the Democratic machine city of Chicago for decades. During the course of that challenge, many tactics similar to the same ones being employed in 2020 were attempted. Lawyers wrote legal memorandums outlining possible courses of conduct, including proposing a slate of alternative electors uh, who could deliver the preferred election result to Congress. Actually, a margin of less than 600 votes determined that George W. Bush, rather than Vice President Al Gore, had won the state of Florida and thus the Electoral College votes. Dershowitz at the time represented Palm Beach County, uh, where, as I said previously, many people voted inadvertently for Pat Buchanan, who was the nominee of the Reform Party. Electoral challenges have long been a part of American history. Only now they're being criminalized. Dershowitz is one of the lawyers involved in objections to Florida's presidential vote in 2000. Uh, he is a obviously Harvard Law School professor, author of Get Trump, The Threat to Civil Liberties, Due Process, and Our Constitutional Rule of Law. Incredibly now, Donald Trump and his attorney, Rudy Giuliani, whose show can be heard right here every weekday at WABC Radio, are accused of conspiracy to commit forgery, false statements, uh, and for drafting a list of alternative electors. In 2000, Florida state officials were lobbied to secure recounts in selected counties in which they thought the tally would favor Gore. Uh, Gore and his forces were trying to find at least 600 votes that would change the result. Unlike then, this new indictment Features a phone call between Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger, uh, in which it is alleged by the prosecutors that Donald Trump tells Raffensperger to quote find roughly twelve thousand votes. Actually, the exact number is eleven thousand eight hundred and seventy. Now, I myself have listened to this transcript, uh, to this uh, audio. I've read the transcript. By the way, folks, it's tedious. There were six lawyers on the line. Uh, And it's very clear that Trump does not tell Raffensperger to create or find or manufacture roughly 12,000 votes. What he tells him quite clearly is that Raffensperger has already illegally counted that many votes. And then he actually breaks them down. 5,000 some odd are convicted felons ineligible to vote. Another 1,300 are are people who registered to vote from a post office box ineligible to vote uh, incredibly uh, now uh, those uh, that phone call uh, is the centerpiece uh, of a rico conspiracy uh, that has been alleged by uh, the local prosecutor fanny wills new reports this week that Fannie wills herself may have benefited in her last election from voter fraud. And now, quite incredibly, uh, the Georgia State Senate uh, may go into special session as requested by Senator Carlton Moore uh, to consider uh, the actions of Prosecutor Fannie Wills and potentially actually impeach and remove her. That's what our politics has come to. Some have asked me uh, whether that requires the support of the governor no actually based on my research the georgia state senate has the unilateral authority uh, to remove uh, a sitting district attorney if they find her actions contrary to law dershowitz really sums this up extremely well uh, when he says if the behavior of the gore campaign and the bush campaign in 2000 was legal How can those same activities be illegal in 2023? The truth of the matter is uh, this gave way to yet another conspiracy theory, and that is uh, the one surrounding the so-called Brooks Brothers riot. Uh, It was alleged uh, that I directed the riot uh, and that the riot somehow closed down the Miami-Dade vote count Uh, in the disputed election between Gore and Bush. That is uh, lore, but it's not accurate. What actually did happen was two uh, Democratic Party officials sought to take a sheaf of ballots out of the main counting room uh, into a small room that had no doors or no windows, which would have been a violation of the state's sunshine laws. This particular sheaf of ballots had already been hand-counted twice. This was uh, an obvious effort, in our opinion, uh, to intuit, by going through the same pile of ballots that had already been counted, additional votes for Al Gore. Uh, That was prevented, uh, and ultimately, uh, it was declared that George W. Bush uh, was the winner by a margin of less than 500 votes. Now some of Trump's critics uh, say that Trump was knew he was going to lose before the election. Um, I don't think he ever believed that. Uh, I was criticized for saying before the election that Trump should declare victory if he lost. That is not even remotely what I said. What I did say was that if the race was undecided, if the result was up in the air, while well, that Trump should declare victory. This, by the way, is the exact same advice that James A. Baker III, Secretary of State, uh, gave to George W. Bush. Uh, it's the exact same advice that Ambassador Joseph P. Kennedy gave to his son, Senator, later President, John F. Kennedy. Uh, and uh, it is based around the public relations and political principle uh, that possession at least in the eye of the public, is nine-tenths of the law. In all honesty, uh, if Al Gore's forces, uh, headed uh, by uh, Warren Christopher, himself a former Secretary of State, had declared victory earlier, since the matter was completely in dispute, and if they had requested a vote count in every single county instead of just selected counties, Well, I think there's a high probability that Al Gore would have been declared president. That is uh, the truth of the matter. Uh, Gore had an opportunity, but he lost it. I want to thank you for tuning in to uh, The Roger Stone Show today. If you like what we're doing here, let me urge you to stop by my website at StoneZone.com. At StoneZone.com, there's a direct link to WABC radio. You can also hear archived all of my WABC radio shows. There's also a collection of videos and articles, and you can also shop for my books. Uh, My first book, the man who killed Kennedy, the case against LBJ New York times, bestseller, uh, the myth of Russian collusion. Uh, This is uh, the book that told us everything that it took special counsel, John Durham, Five years to conclude, Uh, you can also get a copy of my book, uh, The Bush Crime Family uh, or The Clinton's War on Women. Now, you could go get them at Amazon or Barnes and Noble. uh, But if you get them there, uh, first of all, they won't be signed. uh, And secondarily, uh, you'll be giving money to a multinational corporation that most likely hates uh, your guts. I don't recommend it. Uh, I have another email here I want to answer very quickly. A- Angelo from Brooklyn said, I listened to one of your earlier shows on WABC, and you talked about your mother's recipe for Sunday gravy. Can you tell it to me again? All right, I'm going to do this very quickly. Uh, so, uh, if you live in the greater New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area, uh, tomato sauce, marinara sauce, meat sauce particularly, uh, is known as gravy. I know to some people, gravy is brown, but in this case, we call it gravy. Others call it sauce. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that it's good. Here's how you make it good. You uh, chop some onions uh, and you dice some garlic. Now, you get uh, olive oil, but a special type of olive oil, which is used for frying and sautéing. Several different brands sell it. They're all available at Gristidi's. Now, you, you Sauté the onions until they are translucent, and then and only then do you add the garlic. Garlic, you see, has a much lower burning point than onions, and above all, no matter what, you do not want to burn the garlic. If you burn any of this concoction, you have to throw it out and start all over again. Now you add three cans uh, of San Marzano plum tomatoes. San Marzano is not a brand of tomatoes. San Marzano is a particular style of Italian plum tomato that is grown only in the San Marzano Valley. Be very careful to look at the label. If it says San Marzano style tomatoes, well, you're being ripped off. Once again, there are multiple brands, uh, Cento, among others, all of them carried by Gristides. But make sure that you get... Actual, genuine San Marzano tomatoes. Now you add them, you brown the meat, you add the tomatoes after you have browned the meat, being very careful not to burn the garlic. Uh, And after you have added the tomato sauce, uh, the tomatoes, you add one can of tomato paste and an equal amount of water. I use the same can. Uh, Now you add uh, oregano. Basil, salt and pepper to taste. It's always better to put in a little salt. Remember, the tomatoes are very salty. You can always add salt later, but once your sauce is too salty, there's really no way to fix it other than diluting it. Cook it for three or four hours uh, on low heat. Then over a little rigatoni, uh, a little uh, thin spaghetti, manja. Uh, That was my mother's recipe. Uh, She was a Corbo, Roger Corbo Stone. That's the family name. Uh, And uh, maybe over a little rigatoni. Uh, It is the best sauce you'll ever have. So give it a try this Sunday. Uh, Let me thank you very much for your question, Angelo from Brooklyn. That is the secret to a great sauce. It's also a segue for me to announce the formation of the American Italian Civil Rights League, which has now been incorporated in New Jersey. This is a fraternal uh, nonprofit cultural organization uh, that is going to stand up and proselytize for Italian American culture, heritage, uh, and history. Uh, We look forward to telling you more about this exciting cultural uh, and charitable organization in the weeks ahead i want to thank my guests uh, for today's show uh, country and western music legend superstar lee greenwood the man who made god bless the usa well our second national anthem uh, and also great thanks to garrett ziegler of the marco polo research group you can find them at marco polo they are the organization on which much of the New York Post reporting regarding the contents of Hunter Biden's laptop are based. I want to thank them both for joining us today. Uh, I am your host, Roger Stone. This has been The Roger Stone Show. And now uh, at 6 o'clock, you definitely don't want to miss Sundays with Sinatra with my good friend Joe Piscopo. Until next Sunday, God bless you and Godspeed.